Yeah, get out of my way, Chris. Thank you. <laughs> Didn't they do a wonderful job this morning? Thank you for leading in worship through song. Wonderful post-Easter song to, to sing this morning, so thank you for that. Well, it's good to be worshiping with you today. We have several guests with us today. We have um, potential students and their parents or guardians uh, worshiping with us today. Can you welcome them this morning? We're going to be looking at a post-Easter text today where Jesus appears uh, to the disciples again. And it's found in John chapter 20, verses 24 to 31. It's on page 1075 in the Pew Bibles in front of you, the Red Pew Bibles, if you want to follow along. If you attend a church where the pastor follows the lectionary passage for the week, you may hear this text preached from again on Sunday. Uh, but you'll just have an advantage over everyone else in the congregation, so that lucky for you. John chapter 20, verses 24 through 31. Will you please stand for the reading of God's word this morning? But Thomas, who was called the twin, one of the twelve, was not with them when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, We have seen the Lord. But he said to them, Unless I see the mark of the nails in his hands and put my finger in the mark of the nails and my hand in his side, I will not believe. A week later, his disciples were again in the house, and Thomas was with them. Although the doors were shut, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, Put your finger here and see my hands. Reach out your hand and put it in my side. Do not doubt, but believe. Thomas answered him, My Lord and my God. Jesus said to him, You have believed because you have seen me. Blessed are those who have not seen, yet have come to believe. Now Jesus did many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not written in this book. But these are written so that you may come to believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that through believing you may have life in his name. Let us pray. Your word tells us, Lord, that when we are weak, it is then that we are strong. By the power of your Holy Spirit, give us your strength. Give us your wisdom. Give us your direction and discernment in all things. We pray these things in Christ's name. Amen. You may be seated. In my opinion, Thomas has a bad rap. For the last 2,000 years, Thomas has been known as, what's the word that comes before his name? Doubting Thomas. For 2,000 years, he has been known as Doubting Thomas, and I don't think that is fair. It is unjust to call this man Doubting Thomas, to remember him for that because he was deeply, deeply loyal to Jesus. He would have even given his life for Jesus. If you turn back in John chapter 11, verse 16, we see that uh, Thomas is ready to give his life for him. Jesus has just raised Lazarus from the dead, and in verse 16, Jesus is going back to, to raise Lazarus and And the disciples saying, we can't go back there before they'll kill you. The the leaders, they want to kill you. But in verse 16, Thomas says, Thomas, who was called a twin, said to his fellow disciples, let us also go that we may die with him. A bold statement to show his loyalty and commitment that he would give his very life for Jesus. 
when the other disciples were like, Jesus, let's, let's not go back. But yet, we don't remember him for this moment. We remember him for being doubting Thomas. Thomas also wasn't afraid to ask difficult questions, challenging questions, when he didn't understand. In John chapter 14, we see Jesus talking about the way to the Father. Let me read a few verses. Jesus is saying, Do not let your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. In my Father's house there are many dwelling places. If it were not so, I would have told you that I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and I will take you to myself, so that where I am, there you may be also. And you know the way to the place where I am going. Thomas said, Lord, we do not know where you are going. How can we know the way? Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you know me, you will know my Father also. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. Thomas was not afraid to ask difficult questions. He wasn't afraid to acknowledge, I don't understand. You're preaching and saying something that I don't understand. And though other disciples may have just gone along with it, saying, well, we'll figure it out later. Thomas said, no, no, I want to understand what you're saying and what you're meaning. But we don't know him as Thomas who asked difficult questions. We know him as doubting Thomas. And it just, it doesn't seem fair to me. There are times we all have questions and we're scared to acknowledge it. In these last few years being here on this campus, you're all studying in different fields and preparing to go into different careers of which I have no experience or knowledge of. I often go through Schrader and I'll walk into the little room that has the large wall with all the whiteboard and there'll be math classes going on in there or physics classes and doing these large problems. And one day Professor Marcus was explaining to me the type of math they're doing and I was nodding my head thinking, wow, yeah, that's, yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, I understand what you're saying. But in my mind I was saying, I don't have a clue what you're talking about. I, you can keep talking, but it's not registering. We all have those moments where we just don't understand, and we're actually afraid to acknowledge the fact that we don't understand. But Thomas wasn't. He was willing to ask tough questions, but we don't remember him that way. We remember him as, as doubting Thomas. Also, he was an honest man. We read in verse 25 of chapter 20 where we just read, We have seen the Lord, and he said to them, Unless I see the mark of the nails in his hands and put my finger in the mark of the nails and my hand in his side, I will not believe. I understand that this is the text of why we call him Doubting Thomas, but you have to admire his honesty. You have to admire his commitment in saying that I will not believe unless he is going to be genuine and real and honest in his faith. Yes, this deeply loyal man who would have given his life for Jesus who was willing to ask tough questions so he could understand and who wasn't going to give a false faith or a false presentation of something he believed by saying, I won't believe unless we don't know him as a great man. We always remember him as doubting Thomas. I need to tell you, I like this guy. I really do. I admire Thomas, his honesty and his courage and his strength and his boldness to ask tough questions. But he did make a few mistakes, and that seems to be what we remember. The first thing he did is probably a mistake, as we look back upon it now, is that he withdrew from the community. He did not stay with the disciples after Jesus was crucified, and he was not in the upper room a week earlier when Jesus first appeared to them. And, and maybe because he was so heartbroken and so grief-stricken, he just wanted to mourn alone. But even in those times where we mourn alone, we should not necessarily pull away from the community. We should draw closer to the community. 
when we have those questions and in those doubts, we must not try to go by ourselves. We must get together with others who love and care for us. And, and Thomas withdrew. He wasn't part of the community. The other mistake it seems that Thomas has made is that he dismissed the witness of others. He dismissed what his disciples, his closest friends who he had been with for years, he dismissed what they told him and said, I won't believe what you tell me. He withdrew from the community. He dismissed their witness. And, and then he says, I won't believe unless, unless. He put these qualifications in place. This has to happen or that has to happen for me to believe. And, and we all know that there'll be times where we don't have the answers to the questions and doubts we have, yet we're still called to believe. But in this day, in this moment, he's saying, I, I won't believe unless. And so now we know him as doubting Thomas. I think we really can learn more from his positive examples than his negative, but we must look to these examples and what do they have to teach us this day? He withdrew from the community. He dismissed the testimonies of others, his closest of friends. And he put these qualifications on his faith. I will not believe unless this, or I will not believe unless that. The last three chapels here in this sanctuary have been rather challenging, haven't they? If you look at it, we really in the last three chapels has dealt with some of the tip, most difficult issues the church is facing today. Religion and science. We heard Dr. Ross speak of corporate sin, racism in the church, and the laying down of power. And on Wednesday we heard Reverend Mario Bergner share his journey and talk about the topic of homosexuality. They have been challenging chapels. They have stretched us and caused us to question. And I need to be honest with you, I didn't prepare this one, two, three combination, if you will. It wasn't on the agenda. Dr. Eklund was added late into the calendar when I heard she was going to be here that day. I did invite Dr. Ra after reading his book and hearing him speak several messages on other college campuses via iTunes. And I followed Reverend Bergner's ministry for many years. In fact, there was a miscommunication between me and Reverend Bergner. He was going to do an apologetic and go into the apologetics of the issue of homosexuality and, and the, his belief as an Anglican priest. And after our time with Dr. Rye, I said, you know, we're already wrestling with a lot of questions. We, we're processing as a group, so maybe we should go in another direction and not let that be the focus. And he said, well, why don't I preach from the Emmaus Road text, and in that I'll mention my story. And, and when he said mention my story, I thought he said he'd mention it in passing. I didn't realize that would be the emphasis of his message. And to the faculty, I apologize. I did not prepare you. It was an honest mistake on my part. I know it has taken quite a bit of class time for discussion. And please know it was not intentional. I'm sorry that you were blindsided by that. But these are three of the most difficult issues that are facing the church today. And we have gathered together and worship as a community of faith, an academic community of faith. And these are the messages that I believe God wanted us to hear. And it is important that we do not make the same mistakes that Thomas makes when we deal with these difficult and challenging issues. We must not withdraw from them. We must not withdraw and, and go to our own safe place and corner when we hear comments and questions and challenges that we don't agree with. We must not withdraw from something that we can learn from another individual in their journey of faith. No, we must not withdraw. Dr. Eklund mentioned how scientists have withdrawn from the church in her exhaustive study of speaking to scientists of 
who, who grew up feeling like they couldn't ask tough questions of the church and they weren't in supportive communities where, where, where the mind was part of the worship and they could ask very difficult questions, so they withdrew altogether. No, we must not withdraw from the community when we have difficult messages and difficult sermons. And we must not dismiss the witness of others the way Thomas dismissed the witness of the other disciples. I understand that Dr. Ra and Reverend Bergner really challenged us. I understand that Reverend Bergner said some things that quite frankly even made me uncomfortable and that I strongly disagree with. I do have friends who are older in life and have been in a relationship for many years who are gay. I consider them dear friends and they're in a monogamous relationship. So though they are older in life and further along on their journey, I've seen these types of relationships. But when he talks about his journey in the 80s, he did not see those healthy long-term relationships as he was articulating to us. I understand these are challenging questions. I understand that Dr. Raw really challenged us about laying down of power and racism in the church and corporate sin and how we all have a responsibility, that we are part of that. I understand. On one occasion, I heard someone say that Dr. Raw lied to us because of his st- statistics were wrong, and I do not know all the details of that. But to hear that he lied to us, be very careful when you make statements like that because that is an accusation against his character. I don't believe he lied to us. We may have disagreements with both of these gentlemen and what they shared and the research that they have done, but don't dismiss someone by calling them or saying that they lied to us. Don't dismiss their witness. For did you recognize they both have the peace of Christ in their heart and life? See, if you heard them say or you felt that Dr. Ra lied to you, for example, I've heard that some didn't want to return to hear the other messages. You didn't want to hear the other things he had to say that might have been from God just for you. There will always be speakers and preachers and pastors where you will not agree with everything they say. Are you going to dismiss their witness? Are you going to have the courage and be bold enough to say, I think the Lord can still have a word for me here. Do not dismiss the witness of others. Did you notice Dr. Ron, his first night, shared a very personal, personal story of the, of the long journey and the road to forgiving his father and it was on his father's deathbed that he was finally able to say to his father I forgive you and then had the courage to say will you forgive me after his father abandoned him at a young age and then Dr. Bergner Reverend Bergner as well had a difficult journey with his father and he was in a situation if you may remember that was abusive and, and in his life he would prefer his father were absent but he wasn't and, and the long journey to forgiveness he was so bold to share I hope you didn't miss those stories I hope you didn't check out when you heard something that made you uncomfortable and dismissed their message altogether. Don't dismiss the witness and testimony of others just because you don't always understand or fully agree. I won't believe unless, Thomas says. And often we can say something along, I won't believe, I won't even listen, because that person's theological, political, or social beliefs are different than mine. That person's cultural background is different than mine, so don't, I don't, they don't carry authority in my mind. I don't think God can work through them the way he's worked through my church. I've shared this story many times where I wrestled in my faith, and as we were starting the church, we came so close to buying this church property, six acres, and this beautiful church of science that had closed, and we were a day late getting our offer in, and I was really wrestling with that because it actually went to Assembly of God Church. And I made the joke before, you've heard me say it, I'll say it time and again, because it's still taking years later, and I still feel the sting of that. 
And I know the Bible says that Jesus was a Nazarene, but God must be a member of the Assembly of God Church because that's who the church building went to. Now, I could have very easily and actually did for a time dismiss their ministry, dismiss that pastor and dismiss what they're doing instead of praying and thanking God for what God is doing through them. I won't believe unless we get our way. I won't believe unless you understand my point of view. I won't believe unless you understand my political point of view and my social beliefs. Let us not make the same mistakes and the same sin of Thomas. Withdrawing when the tough questions are asked. Dismissing the witness of others because we don't agree with all they say. And let us not be afraid to listen to others and hear their stories. We heard powerful, powerful stories these last three chapters. In the previous text of John 20, verses 21 to 22, let me read it to you. Jesus is appearing to the disciples. This is when Thomas is not present. It is a week earlier, and Jesus said to them again, Peace be with you, or as we express to one another today, the peace of Christ be with you. As the Father has sent me, so I send you. When he said this, he breathed on them and said, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven. They are forgiven. If you retain the sins of any, they are retained. Just occurred to me as I read that passage of Scripture, we heard the story of Dr. Raw and Dr. Berger. They had to both go on a very long journey of being able to forgive the sins of their father. But when this church, when this small group is receiving the Holy Spirit, the work of the church is beginning. We'll see it fully in Acts where the power of the Holy Spirit comes upon him. But Jesus is now turning over the power of the Holy Spirit for for them to continue the work of Jesus Christ. And that is the responsibility of the church today. Through the power of the Holy Spirit, we are to continue the work of Jesus Christ. We are called to continue to do the work. And when we allow these difficult and challenging issues to separate us and divide us, can I be honest with you this morning, the power of the Holy Spirit cannot work through us to the fullest that God wants it to. We are called to continue the work of Christ. How we work on issues, how we work through issues, how we dialogue through issues is just as important as the issues themselves. Just as important. But when we dismiss people because they are not smart enough because of their scientific perspective or their faith perspective and how close-minded they are, how arrogant they are, when we dismiss other people, the power of the Holy Spirit will not work through us to the fullest. People have stories to share about how the cross and the resurrection has made a difference in their life. And we must hear those stories and not dismiss them. I know it's not easy. I know it is not easy. Especially if you have been sinned against. I know it is not easy if you have been sinned against personally. I know it is not easy if you've been sinned against corporately by the church or by society. And we know those sins are out there. I know it is not easy. But you know the peace of Christ can be with you. The peace and the power of Christ can be with you. Is with you. And can give you the strength to say, I forgive you even if the person or the community or the country doesn't ask for the forgiveness. I know it is not easy. And sometimes it is simply time to move on. We must not turn our eye or our ear to the sins of people or to the sins of others. If there is abuse, if there is racism, if anyone is being hurt or injured, we must not pretend that it is not there. We must address it and deal with it. And sometimes it must go public. 
And sometimes it does require us to move on. A friend of mine who I've known for many years, a rich family history in the Church of the Nazarene, I was speaking to him just a couple years ago as he was getting ready to turn in his credentials and go be part of another church. Now people, as you know, often jump from church to church and leave churches, but this was really the first time I heard a really beautiful example of why. Usually it's for petty reasons. You don't like who's elected to the board. You don't like who's running the Sunday school program. You don't like the way the pastor dresses or the tie he chooses or whatever it may be. So pettiness. But he said, Corey, you know I have a profound theological difference at this time with the Church of the Nazarene. A fundamental, fundamental theological difference. I am here today because of the Church of the Nazarene and because of my love for the church. I must resign my credentials and I must move on to another church. That takes wisdom and humility and he is a man of great character. To understand at times some things may need to change. At times, yes, we may need to move on. But I think all too often we move on too quickly. We dismiss others. We withdraw from the community. And we'll put these qualifications. I'll attend your church if, or I'll believe if. And that is not the life that Christ calls us to live. In verse 21 to 26, I'm sure you caught it twice as I've read this morning. The peace of Christ be with you. Jesus is saying to them, peace be with you. And our peace in life can only come through Christ. Our peace in life cannot come through science. Our peace in life cannot come through academics or politics. Our peace in life can only come through Christ. That does not mean that science cannot be a guide for us. That does not mean that your professors or your pastor or religious leaders or chapel speakers cannot be a guide for you. But our peace in life can only come through Christ, the light of Christ. Will you put your faith in Him? Will you trust Him? It occurred to me when wrestling through issues, some of which we've already discussed, wrestling with them for years, not personally, but wrestling with friends that I dearly love, uh, going through such difficult times. I've often wrestled and sought out the great scholars from different colleges and universities and who's, going to, who's from the best seminary and get their opinion. And you know, there are good Christians who disagree on important issues, very important issues, good men and women of God who disagree on fundamental and important issues of what it means to be the church and Christian And I realize I I can't put my faith in them. I must put my faith in Christ. Jesus is telling Thomas, do not doubt, but believe. After Dr. Ra was here, I heard a lot of comments of, how can we call this revival services? How can we call this spiritual renewal? This isn't like any revival. Well, two of the services were, as he shared his personal journey and what it looks like to serve as Christ. But I don't say this to try to defend myself and ward off the comments and emails and phone calls I received. I say this because I really believe it. And you should know me well enough to know that I will be very honest with you, always. But it is quite possible the last three services were some of the three most important issues we've had since I have been chaplain. Some of the most important services we have had. Because if we walk out of here today or if you leave this campus after you graduate and you take a spirit into the church to which you serve, where you do not withdraw from the community but you enter in, where you do not dismiss others but want to hear the stories and testimonies of others, where you bring the peace of Christ with you and long for dialogue and conversation, 
That is renewal and revival in the church, and it is desperately needed today. I know it may not have been what you expected or what you had hoped for, but that does not mean that God was not present. That does not mean that it wasn't revival or renewal. Revival can be defined only after the fact. We cannot define it now. We must go through the years and look back and see, was I transformed? Was I renewed? Was I revived? And more importantly than that, more than personally, was the church revived and renewed? Put your faith in Christ today. Put your faith in Christ today. Receive the power of the Holy Spirit. Believe in Him. Believe. And when you don't know the way, and when the questions come that you just cannot answer, when you're heartbroken, sickened, because you see issues that you just wish Jesus would say, this is the answer, and He doesn't. I've come to the conclusion that our greatest spiritual formation is actually working through these issues together. If Jesus was to give us the answers right away and an explanation right away without letting us work together as a community through these issues, we would not be growing in our faith. We would not be strengthened in our faith. Yes, I think for good reason. Jesus holds back the answers we want at times so that we process and wrestle what is he trying to teach us. Believe in Him unto salvation. And when you don't know the way and the questions arise, please remember what Jesus said. Hold on to it. Don't let go. It is the only thing that is a solid foundation. Remember the words of Jesus. I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you know me, you will know my Father also. From now on, you know him and have seen him. Trust in Jesus. Trust in the Lord when those difficult questions and challenges come. I like Dr. Ra's illustration. I believe he, he got it from another theologian that talks about a mirror that is broken. If we look into the mirror, we see the image of Christ, but the mirror has been shattered, and there are these pieces everywhere, and each of us come from churches and communities and cultures and backgrounds where we have a piece and must be responsible for our peace, which means picking it up and, and cleaning it off and then gluing it back together with the other pieces so that as the mirror comes together, we can see the image of Christ. And he was right when he said, when you play with broken mirrors, when you play, pray with, play with broken glass, you're going to get cut. It's going to hurt. It's going to be painful. There are going to be struggles. But never forget to put your faith in the peace of Jesus Christ. He is the way and He will lead you. He is the truth and He will give you wisdom. He is the life and He will give you eternal life if you but trust Him. Let us not live in a way that would prevent others from seeing and coming to receive the peace of Christ in their heart and life. Let us not live as a church or a community or as a people divided, but let us live as a community of Christ seeking and striving to to be the people that Christ calls us to be. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. Let us be proclaimers of that message, not just in our personal life, but corporately through this campus and through the churches that you call your church home, wherever that may be. Will you please stand? Let us pray.
May we be the people you want us to be. May we be the church you want us to be. And may you be glorified in all that we do. We give you all the praise. We give you all the glory. We give you all the honor. We pray these things now in the name of the Father, in the name of the Son, in the name of the Holy Spirit, and in the peace of Christ. In Jesus' name, amen. You are dismissed. Go in the peace of Christ and be the peace of Christ who is the way, the truth, and the life. You are dismissed.